The Nick Zelaya Show. Here's your host, Nick Zelaya. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode five of The Nick Zelaya Show, a special March Madness preview. I'm your host, Nick Zelaya, joined by my entire starting five. We've got Spencer Pierce, we've got Biz, we've got Ben Paglia, and we have Jack Tobin. So let's get right into it, guys, starting with when the bracket was revealed on Sunday. What were your initial thoughts, Spencer? I want to start with you when the bracket was revealed this past Sunday. Well, Nick, as a Kansas Jayhawks fan myself, um, I'm, I'm used to uh, getting overpowered in the bracket. But I got to say, this West bracket is one of the most stacked brackets that I've ever seen. I mean, you have Iowa as a two seed. Many thought they were going to be a one seed this year. But here's something I was looking at. I think this is the worst group of two seeds that I've ever seen in my entire 20 years on this planet. You have Iowa. Like I said, they were supposed to be a one seed. I'm frankly not impressed with Alabama or Houston. I don't think Houston passes the eye test. They haven't really played anyone, and their losses are pretty bad, frankly. Um, and then you have Ohio State, who has good losses, but they're also coming in with uh, – rather, they have good wins, but they're also coming in with nine losses. Granted, the Big Ten is, is one of the best conferences in, in college basketball, but 21-9 for a two-seed, you don't see that too often. Ben, Ben, I want to I get you in this. Well, what, do you, what were your initial thoughts? Along with Spencer, I think the East is extremely weak. I mean, considering we have Michigan who struggled down the stretch, losing Isaiah Livers, uh, one of their best players. We also have Alabama who's not performed uh, exceptionally well. They, they squeaked by LSU in the SEC championship. Quite frankly, I think we could see a surprise um, Final Four team out of the East, maybe with a Texas or a Florida State. But I think, um, like Spencer said, the two seeds in this bracket are not very good. I think we could see a heavily dominated um, one seed in the final four this year. What about you, Biz? Yeah, I'd have to agree. Uh, I think the one seeds, you know, that's what always um, gets my attention. And I think they got it right. I think the four, the four one seeds are definitely the, the four best teams in the tournament. And uh, Spencer's right. The, the two seeds, they just, they're not nearly as talented as, as Gonzaga, Baylor, um, Michigan, or Illinois. So. And you, Jack? Well, my initial reaction was just, happy that there's even a bracket uh i wasn't even sure if they're gonna be able to do this tournament this year and it's just great to see 68 teams on the list and just excited to have some basketball to watch thursday i mean friday this year friday saturday for my favorite two days in sports but uh my initial reaction was how good the eight seeds are um lsu just lost in the conference championship final to uh alabama in a very good game loyola chicago is a top 20 team and they got given an eight seed and north carolina who's kind of coming on hot at the right time obviously with a very veteran coach and a few very veteran players definitely the eight seeds the one seeds did not get an easy one this year you you mentioned that jack and i want to get right into that right now you talk about these one seeds and how they have to in the second round as long as they beat the 16 seeds they'll meet either the eight or nine seeds. So Jack, starting with you on this one, which one seed do you think is in the most trouble in their bracket? I'd have to go with the Michigan Wolverines. Um, St. Bonaventure has a very good team. Kyle Lofton and Dominic Welch are veteran guards that maybe not have a March Madness experience, but they just came off their conference championship win and they're ready to roll. And if they don't beat LSU, LSU's got a very talented team that Thomas, the guard, uh, Averages 22 a game just as a freshman, but they they are healthy and ready to go, and they probably have a lot more confidence than Michigan. It's rare that the one seeds 
have to play an eight or a nine seed that went further in their conference tournament than the one seed did. So I, I really think they're a lot more confident than Michigan right now, especially the absence of the senior leader livers. Biz, what do you think? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think Michigan is definitely the first team to go out of all the ones, but as for the toughest road, I would definitely say Gonzaga. Uh, in my bracket, I have them going up against Virginia uh, and Jay Huff. I think, I think he's going to be a challenge. And then David McCormick and Kansas Jayhawks is their next game on my bracket. So, you know, two bigs put a lot of pressure on uh, Drew Timmy. It's going to be a battle down low, and uh, I look forward to seeing it. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I'd have to agree with both of these. I, I think Michigan's in trouble. Um, down the stretch, didn't perform too well. Lost Isaiah Livers, who's arguably their – maybe their best player besides Hunter Dickinson. Um, I think their eight seed um, matchup against LSU could be a, could be a big, a tough matchup. And I also think that uh, Florida state's length and depth could, could uh, cause some trouble for them in the sweet 16. So I definitely think Michigan is in trouble and by far the most vulnerable in, um, of the one seeds. And Spencer. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Ben. They're definitely the most vulnerable. I would have to say it's probably the West uh, region for me just because there's a lot of tests for Gonzaga. You know, it's the same uh, narrative that we hear every year. Gonzaga's undefeated. They come into the tournament, but they didn't play anyone. This year's a little bit different because they have played some ranked teams. But, I mean, Biz, you kind of touched on it. Virginia, I mean, who's betting, on, who's betting against Virginia in March? Because I know that I'm not going to be. You know, Kansas under Bill Self, they're always they're, they're a perennial contender. Um, you look at some of the sleeper teams, too. Uh, you know, Oklahoma knocked off four top 25 teams in the month of January alone. They don't have the same swagger that they once did. But I think Gonzaga, you know, they're a pretty popular pick to get to the final four. But I think that they are going to face a lot of challenges in order to get there. For me, real quick, I'm actually going to take Illinois in this one because you look at the teams they'll have to play. If they win their first matchup, they got to go up against either Loyola Chicago or Georgia Tech. That's not going to be an easy matchup for them. They make it to the next round. you got either Tennessee, possibly either Oklahoma State. None of those games are easy wins for this Illinois team. While they're very good with the Sumo and Coburn, that is going to be a tough region to get out of uh, Get out of if you're the number one seed in Illinois. So moving on to this next one, I want to talk about some teams like Loyola Chicago who are outside the Power Five conferences. Obviously, Gonzaga is in the Western Conference. Stay, let's stay away from Gonzaga if it's all right with you boys. Who is the most dangerous non-Power 5 school, in your guys' opinion, in this entire bracket? I want to start with you, Spencer. Nick, you just mentioned them. Loyola Chicago is going to go on another run. I mean, all right. First of all, we all know Sister Jean. She's 101. She hasn't seen the tournament. She got robbed of a tournament last year. She is going to carry this team. Obviously, I'm kidding. Cameron Crutwig, though, is going to carry this team. He averages 15 points, seven rebounds, three assists. And uh, people seem to forget that Loyola Chicago came at the end of the year ranked number 17. And the, tor the tournament committee gave them an eight seed. Is, any is anyone else as confused as I am? Because they're in the top 10 in the net rankings. They're ranked in the top 25. This is not your, you know... This is not your grandma's Loyola Chicago team, Nick and, and, and my boys right here. I think they're going to go on a deep run. I don't know, though. Ben, what about you? Yeah, I really hate to say this as a Syracuse fan, but I, I think we're in for a tough matchup against San Diego State. I think ultimately they might have been the, the most unfortunate team last year. Um, obviously would have been a one seed, maybe along with Dayton. They, they also got a little bit gypped out of a tournament, but I, I think they're going to come ready to play in March. I think they could go on a bit of a run. I think West Virginia is a bit of – 
overseeded at the three line. I think maybe they should have been swapped with Oklahoma State after losing to them twice in the season. Um, so I think I think Syracuse could see an early round exit. I think San Diego State could potentially go on a run with with Matt Mitchell, and um, I think they're they could make a run to the Sweet Sixteen. Biz, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, non-power five conference, uh, West Coast definitely, like you said, Gonzaga. Um, I don't, I don't see them losing. I mean, they have a ton of talent, ton of NBA draft prospects. But, but yeah, for uh, Loyola Chicago, I don't know how I feel about them round one. They, they're playing Georgia Tech right away. Georgia Tech, I thought they were kind of disrespected coming in at the nine seed after winning the ACC championship. I mean, the Clemson, UNC, and Virginia all have better seeds than them, and. I, I think they're a lot better than what people are pointing them out to be. So, Tobin, finish us off. No one mentioned the highest-ranked uh, team in the tournament that's non-Power 5, the Houston Cougars. They're second in the country <laughs> in points per game given up at 57.9. They have a like a, what, a, what I like to call bucket getter with Quentin Grimes, a Houston native and former Kansas player who's really come alive at Houston. I expect them to go on a little bit of a run. I don't think Clemson or Rutgers will give them much of a worry. You guys both touched on how West Virginia is not a huge deal at the three seed. I think they're kind of a smooth run to the Elite Eight potentially, and that they could be the farthest for non-Power Five. Yeah, I, I agree with all those picks. I really like all those picks you guys have. For me, I'm going back home, and I'm not talking about Hartford against Baylor. That's going to be embarrassing to watch. But I'm talking about the UConn Huskies. I think they're a very talented team at a seven seed. They came into the tournament strong. James Buchnight is an easy NBA player, possible first-round pick. He averages 19 points per game. Great shooter, great three-level scorer. UConn could seriously make some noise in that bottom left part of the bracket. So let's get to some upsets now. That, that's what we all wait for when we're watching March Madness. We want those small teams to beat those huge teams, just make some big noise and make a long run in the tournament. So starting off with you, Jack, which double-digit seed do you think can make the Sweet 16? Maybe not the Sweet 16, but I do really like Colgate beating Arkansas. That this Colgate roster has experience. Um, Tucker Richardson, Jordan Burns all played over 25 minutes in uh, 2019 in a seven-point loss to Tennessee. I think Colgate's a much better team than the team they played against Tennessee. And I think Arkansas is not quite as good as the Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, Tennessee team. Arkansas shoots 33% from three. Colgate shoots 40. Uh, if Colgate has 13 straight wins coming in. I didn't see much of Arkansas in the SEC tournament. I don't know if they got upset or something, but they didn't make it too far. Colgate second in the country in points per game at 86.4. Jack Ferguson, their shooting guard, 50.7% from three. That's crazy good. I think this is going to be a high-scoring battle. And they have a good sophomore rebounder named Keegan Records. Jordan Burns, player of the year in the conference. I'll talk about more of him later. But um, I do really think Colgate's going to knock off Arkansas. Now, before, before I get to you, Biz, Jack, do you agree with the uh, net rankings having Colgate at eight in the country? 14 and one speaks for itself. 12 of those wins are by nine or more points. Um, do I think they're a top 10 team? No, but at some point, if you win pretty much every game, there's not much more they can really do. This is usually more of a discussion in college football playoffs, but I really like this Colgate team led by their senior captain, Jordan Burns. Okay. I jump in here quick. I think we fail to forget that they only played four teams all season long because of the, the Patriot League regional, regional games. So only playing four teams, I mean, and one of them is Holy Cross, who is, who's very bad at basketball. I can see um, how they're, they're a, maybe a top 50 team in the net rankings, but top 10 is just absolutely ridiculous. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see in the tournament if they can upset Arkansas. All right, Biz, who's your, uh, your double-digit seed to make the Sweet 16? 
Yeah, I only have one. I only have one double digit seed making the Sweet 16. And Nick, I think we talked about this. I think we agree. Virginia Tech, they're they're sneaky. Uh, they're very well balanced. Four out of their five starters um, average almost double digit points per game. So, I mean, they're led by Keve Aluma. Uh, they're a good team. I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think I think they can make a run. Any any ACC team can make a deep run into the uh, tournament, as we've seen in previous years. Ben, who's your team? <clears throat> Along with Jack, I don't know if this team will make the uh, the Sweet 16, but I, I have Winthrop knocking off um, Villanova. I think Villanova down the stretch has performed very poorly, obviously losing to uh, Georgetown in the Big East tournament. They lost their senior leader, uh, Con Gillespie. Um, and I think this is a name to watch is Chandler Vaudrin. He averages only 12 points a game, but also does it all with seven rebounds and seven assists. I think Winthrop could knock off Nova in the first round and potentially put up a fight against Purdue in the second round. So I think Winthrop is the team to watch here. And Spencer? Yeah, I, uh, I am reaping the benefits of going last. I also had Winthrop, but I will say two teams that I'm, I'm keeping my eye out on. The first one, if Georgetown can win that first 12-5 matchup, I think they can get into the Sweet 16 because we've seen this team get hot. That's how they're here. This team got hot. Now they're in March Madness. You got to keep up the flames. And guys, I know, you know, you might make fun of me for this. I don't know when this episode's airing. It might not be such a good look, but watch out for the Grand Canyon antelopes over the Iowa Hawkeyes. I got to tell you, <laughs> have you heard of Asbjorn Mitgard? <laughs> He is a seven foot, 270, 14 point and 10 point, uh, 10 rebounds rather. He, that's what, that's his average. So if you're saying someone can't hang and bang with Luca Garza, you're wrong because my boy as Bjorn Mitgard is going down in the trenches this weekend and we're going to get some Grand Canyon antelopes basketball. Now, now Spencer, if you're going with Grand Canyon, you've got to be feeling a little good about Alpine Christian, right? Uh, I don't know. I think Texas is a little bit of a fraud, but we can talk about that a little, uh, in a little bit. All right. I'll, I'll stay away from Eastern Washington in this part. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, wait, let's talk a little more upsets. Now we look at these top four seeds and they're obviously some of the best teams in the entire country. They wouldn't be ranked in the top four in their respective region if they weren't. But what team do you think is in the most trouble in the first weekend and which upset do you think you're the most confident with in the first round? Spencer, I'll start with you on this one. Well, Nick, uh, this is probably the hardest bracket I've ever filled out. Um, so I'm going to spin this question a little bit just because I don't have an answer right now. But I think okay. an upset pick that is very popular that is not going to happen is Ohio will not beat Virginia. I don't see it happening. I understand that, you know, Virginia is kind of banged up. They have COVID issues. They're not practicing until Friday. But I just really don't see it happening. I know there's a lot of hype around Ohio. But like I said, betting against Virginia in March – when, is, when did it work? When they lost to a 16 seed, that, that small thing that happened a few years ago? I just think that there, there's so many people on this upset that you kind of got to take a step back and look at, you know, the reality of it. And, and I just don't see Virginia losing this game. Yeah, I mean, Ohio has the quote-unquote Lamello of college basketball and Jason Preston. And if you tell me that, I, I like Lamello ball. So, I mean, I'll take that any, any day. Now, Ben, what about you? Who's your big upset for the first round? Yes, there's something about those 12-5 matchups. I mean, I'm looking in the, in the West. I'm looking at UCSB against Creighton. I mean, Creighton's performed poorly down the stretch. I mean, they've got a lot going on with the, the comments made by um, McDermott, their head coach, and haven't played well since he was suspended. And then they got they got absolutely obliterated in the, in the tournament final against uh, Georgetown. So I think UCSB is a team to watch. And 
and in terms of a of a high seed in ter- in trouble, I think we could see a potentially early exit for Houston. I know you guys seem to be kind of in love with them, but I think Rutgers is a little bit of a is a tough team to watch. I mean, it's a tough team to judge. They've performed so well against some teams and absolutely horrendously against others. But I think Rutgers with um, their their big Johnson and Ron Harper Jr. I think they've got a couple guys that that could hang and bang with uh, Houston, and I, I think they have a chance at knocking off the the Cougars in the in the second round. Biz, let's go with you. Yeah, I definitely agree with Ben on both of his picks. You know, Creighton. I think they have a complicated locker room right now. You know, six years ago, Doug McDermott led them through the through the tournament. This year, his dad could be the reason their first round exit. However, with Houston, I honestly. I'm sorry, Jack. I honestly think they're in trouble before they even get to the Rutgers. Uh, they play Cleveland State, another good team from Ohio, a weird team. Ohio beat them, went on a 40-point run to beat them in the beginning of the season. The next game, they lost by six to Ohio State. Uh, they're a very weird team, and I, I think anything can happen in that matchup. But before I get to you, Jack, I, I want to ask you all real quick. Who is the one player who played in the NBA that we know that went to Cleveland State? Do you know who it is? That's cool. Norris Cole. Thank you, man. Horizon League. I love it. Yes. We know that. All right, Jack, who's your big upset? Well, I had mentioned Arkansas losing to Colgate earlier. Just to add another fact to that, not one player on Arkansas's roster has ever played in a March Madness game. And I do think they're kind of a fake three. Um, but I'm also on that trendy UCSB upset. That's very trendy. But Creighton just looked so bad the other day. And the Gauchos are 18-1 in their last 19 games. Um I don't really see them getting eliminated in the first round. They're potentially a sweet 16 team as 12 seed as well. When, when I look at some of the teams that possibly could get eliminated early, the team that comes to mind is Oklahoma state. And yes, they've got the top player in the country. No doubt about that, but you're going against a team in Liberty that, okay, it's Liberty, but they've won 12 in a row. They are hot, hot as a, I, I don't know. Someone get, someone give me a metaphor real quick. Hot as a what? I, I'm trying frying to frying pan. Gotta be hot as a frying pan. Hot as a frying pan. Those Liberty Flames. They are flaming right now. There we go. Oh, they move on to the next round. You either got Tennessee, which is a very good team when they're when they can shoot well. They're not the greatest defend de- defensive team, but they are good when they can shoot. Or Oregon State, who was projected to finish dead last in the Pac-12, but instead as a five seed won the Pac-12 title game. Oklahoma State's got a lot to move around. If they can get past that, I think they'll be all right. But they're going to have a lot of trouble in this first weekend if they want to keep playing when next weekend comes around in the Sweet 16. So that, that that's a lot of fun upsets. Obviously, upsets is the best part of March Madness. But we all have our memories, too. Everyone's had their specific best memory as to going to a game, watching a game on TV, cheering for a specific player. We all have those moments. So starting with you, Jack Tobin, who is what is your favorite March Madness memory that you can honestly remember? Well, it's probably my favorite basketball memory too. Uh, Duke winning in 2015. I followed the recruiting process for that entire roster. I just fell in love with Tyus Jones, Jaleel Okafor. Grayson Allen didn't get many minutes, but that national championship, he went off and they beat that really talented Wisconsin team. And my another favorite moment of mine is Middle Tennessee beating Michigan State. I got back from school on Friday at, at Ben Poon's house and we were just jumping up and down, rooting for Giddy Potts and Reggie, up, Reggie Upshaw to try to take down a team that was in the Final Four the year before. It probably busted my bracket, but we just got so into it. It was just a great time rooting for that 15 seed. What about you, Biz? Yeah, I mean, this is the best time of the year. So many memories. Uh, 
all these Duke fans drive me crazy because, I mean, Syracuse, Syracuse, Syracuse is made for this tournament, you know. 2016, when they made it to the Final Four as a 10 seed, upset number one Virginia, had guys like Tyler Lydon, Frank Howard. I mean, that was an exciting team. Uh, hoping they do something similar this year. Now, Malachi Richardson was one of my favorite guys on that team. Too bad. He, I think he went top 10. Do you go top 10, Biz, in the NBA draft? I think mm. so. I, I, I know he played for the, their um, Bayheim's Army's team. Yeah, I yeah. I don't think he was top 10. He might have been first round. Yeah, he lasted two years, not even in the NBA. I, I don't know what happened to that guy. But he, he was – that entire team was kind of – that was honestly my memory, but – I mean, hopefully, hopefully they can pull something off like that. Uh, ben, what's your favorite March Madness memory? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go along with Jack. I mean, I've been a Duke fan since I was born there. Um, and I remember I, I went to the 2015 Final Four with my dad and my brother, and it was just absolutely an unbelievable experience um, in Indianapolis. And something about Indianapolis. So I wish Duke had made it this year because I think they, they could have gone on a run. Uh, their last couple of national championships that they've won have happened in Indianapolis. Um, but just being at the final four and, and watching, as you said, Tyus and um, Justice Winslow and Jalil Okafor along with Grayson. And I know everyone pretty much hates him besides Duke fans, but that team was something special. And, and I'm really hoping for, for something like that to come in the future as well. So I have to say the 2015 um, national championship game against Wisconsin. Now, Ben, would you compare uh, Grayson Allen to Matthew Hurt on those? Uh, oh, no, no. I think Matthew Hurt gets uh, a poor reputation just because it's something about the, the white the white guys on Duke. Um, but I think Matthew Hurt has never had any of those antics. I, I just think he's a good basketball player. I don't know how he's going to pan out in the NBA with his, his speed. He's not too quick, but I think he's he's done well in college. And I'm hoping he comes back for one more season, but it, it's looking likely that he's he's heading to the draft. His uh, his jump shots a little horrendous looking too. No, it is. Hey, if it goes in the basket, it works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Spencer, what's your favorite March Madness memory? Sorry to burst your bubble, Duke fans, but it's gotta be Kansas's win versus Duke just a few years ago. March Malik, he was unbelievable. If you haven't seen the shot, look up Grayson Allen versus Kansas shot. I mean, that was down to the last few seconds. He comes down the court, does a little spin move, thought he gets fouled, tries to bank it off. It rolls around. I, My heart was, was just on the floor. The ball comes out. Sviatoslav Mikhailuk hits the three, the best shot in Kansas history, other than the Mario Chalmers. Obviously, that that, that shot was is unbelievable. I was a little too young at that point, but that's got to be it. I, I felt plenty of heartbreak, and, and just, uh, that just that just felt really good. Sorry, everyone. That was tough, Spencer. Spencer, I'm shedding a tear now. You, you got me, you got me crying a little bit. I'm gonna cry a bit later. You know, <laughs> some of these players that make these memories, they're, they're some of the top players in the country, no doubt about that. So now we're gonna rank our top players in March Madness for this upcoming year. There's plenty of talent on all these teams, but we're only picking three on each position. Every single person here, our starting five, they've got one position. They pick their top three players at that position on a team in March Madness. So Spencer, I'm going to start with you on this one. Who are the top shooting guards in March Madness? All right. So after some long and hard research of gluing my eyes to the TV for the last three months, this is the list that I've come up with. My number one shooting guard and, and you know, guard uh, guards in, in college are a little wishy-washy because- Scoring guard, scoring guard. Yeah, we're just- I like to get some buckets, you know? We're going to pretend. My number one guard 
or shooting guard rather is Davion Mitchell from Baylor. He's projected to go late in the first round uh, of the NBA draft this year. I think after a really good tournament, uh, he's going to rise up boards. He actually is very similar to Donovan Mitchell, another number 45. Very interesting. Davion Mitchell averages 14 points a game, three rebounds, five assists. I just think he's an all-around player. He's a junior. Uh, he he really just commands the floor. Um, and that Baylor team is really dangerous. We'll get we'll get into it towards the end of the episode, but I think he is is one of the anchors on that offense. Coming in at number two, this one hurts me to say very much, but Quentin Grimes is my number two shooting guard. I mean, the, the guy has come out of his shell. He's he's a bigger shooting guard. He's six foot five. Uh, he's averaging 18 points on the dot, six six rebounds on the dot, and two assists. He's shooting 41%. I mean, that's that's a, a pretty high clip uh, for a guy that you know was shooting in the mid 20% uh, as a Jayhawk. So that, it's a little tough to see, um, but you know I wish him the best. Once a Jayhawk, always a Jayhawk. I'm from Connecticut. None of this really makes sense anyway. Thinking outside the box here, we're gonna, I'm going to go with Aaron Wiggins of Maryland. I think he's a really solid player. He's a junior as well. Six foot six, 200 pounds, 14 points, six rebounds, three assists. I think this Maryland team. Nick, you, you, touched, you touched on it a little bit. I think they're kind of underrated. They won 16 games this year. The conference was, you know, it wasn't the strongest and it wasn't as strong as it usually is. But having an anchor like Wiggins in your offense, shooting 43%, I mean, if, if he gets hot, the Huskies are done. And I think uh, Wiggins can really propel Maryland to, to a pretty good tournament. Yeah, Maryland, Maryland's got off to a slow start this season, but they really began to pick things up as a 2021 year got going. When you got a shooter like Wiggins, don't leave him open. Ben, you're, you're, Ben, you're a big guy. You're the tallest guy in this crew right now. You're our center. So who are your top three centers in March Madness this year? I think the first one's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, Lou Garza. I don't think he's an exceptional NBA talent, but I mean, this man just absolutely dominates basketball. Games. He just can really do it all. He's expanded his uh, jump, his jump shot. He's able to get out to the three-point and knock him down. I think he's... An unbelievable college basketball player, um, obviously one of the best in Iowa history. I think he could really make his mark in uh, March this this season. Struggle with the, the next couple the next couple ones, but I'm gonna go with Kofi Colburn at number two from Illinois. I mean, this man is just an absolute beast, huge, absolute mammoth of a man. Um, I think any team that doesn't have a big man is going to absolutely struggle with this with this man. And then finally. This, this one is a little bit iffy, but I'm going to go with the freshman out of uh, Michigan. I think Hunter Dickinson is going to have to perform well if Michigan wants any chance of potentially making a run in March Madness. Um, he's played well all season, Big Ten player of the or freshman of the year, excuse me. Um, I think he could also make his mark in March. But let me just let me just give you one name that don't forget about. Trevion Williams, a big man from Purdue. Really, really solid basketball player. Demands a double team most of the time he gets in, in the paint. One thing he needs to work on, free throw shooting. But centers could, in college especially, can easily dominate games. I think those those four are, are a couple of names to watch out for. Hey, you, forgot, you forgot as Bjorn Mitgard, Ben. I, can't, I don't know if I can forgive <laughs> I'm you. Sorry I'm sorry about that. Ben, we, lo- we love those honorable mentions. I know Purdue's got that one seven four guy. What's his Zach, name? Yeah. Zach Eddies or something? Yep, yep. He's pretty Zach, solid, too. That, that guy's in the Biz. Who are the top small forwards in this year's March Madness? I mean, we got to talk about him. Cade Cunningham, number one pick in the draft. I'll put some respect on his name. I mean, he's, he's very versatile. He can run the point. He's six foot eight, 220. He's athletic. 
Um, shoots 45% from the field. He, he deserves the number one pick. He's the best player in the tournament, I think. Uh, and then also Corey Kisper from Gonzaga. All right, six, seven senior. I mean, he's key to that Gonzaga team. His three-point range is, is impressive. And, you know, you, you got Jalen Suggs driving the ball to the paint. I mean, you get Corey Kisper on the wing as a kickout. And Drew Tinney down low. I mean, this is a ridiculous team. I think they're going to go very far. And I think he's a huge part of that. And then Chris Duarte from Oregon, also a senior, 6'6". Just got great hands, great defender. Averages about two steals a game. And I also have an honorable, honorable mention, Buddy Beheim. I had I you gotta mention him. I mean, recently he's averaging like 25 points points per game per game these past five games. I mean, he's playing unbelievable. If he keeps putting the ball in the hoop, Syracuse can make a run. Those are my top small forwards. I really like that Chris Duarte pick. Don't forget about the conference of champions. Absolutely. Don't forget about him. Absolutely, Ben. Um, Jack, I we got we gotta go some point guards. You know, I, you gotta show my short king some love here on the so, uh, under six foot side. Let, let's show the short short king some love. Jack, we're your top three point guards. I obviously could give you guys Io Desunmu, Jalen Suggs, Jared Butler, but we're taking a different route here. We're going 13 seeds or higher. My first one, the country's leading scorer, Max Abmos, a biochemical chemistry major, sorry, a biomedical chemistry major out of Oral Roberts. Not only does he play basketball, he plays school, averages 24.2 points a game, 90% from the free throw line. He's the fifth sophomore to ever win Summit League Player of the Year. Ohio State better be ready to guard him because he's just going to keep on shooting, shooting, shooting. Number two, I've mentioned Colgate. We're going Jordan Burns, the senior. His one March Madness game he ever played, hit eight threes against Tennessee. 32 points. He's ready to rock and do it again. Patriot League Player of the Year. Another 89% free throw shooter. Absolutely going to give Arkansas trouble. And last, we're going Jason Preston, the junior from Ohio. Guy didn't have any scholarship offers his senior year. His mother passed away while I was in high school, so all he did was just practice basketball to keep his mind off things. Next thing you know, went to a prep school. Ohio gives him an offer. Now he averages 17 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 assists with 53% shooting from the field. He's just ready to roll. He's got an interesting matchup with Virginia. Tony Bennett's a tough coach to play against, especially for a guard. But he's ready, as Nick mentioned, Lamelo of this year's league, of this year's tournament. He's projected to go second round in 2022 after not having any offers his senior year. So he's a hell of a story and a very good player. Yeah, he's averaging 15, 7, and 7 on the season, which is amazing. I'll be I'll be rapid fire with my power fours, my stretch fours, obviously. Myself, I've never been a power forward before. I, I, I don't get to that height. But we can still talk about it a little. Biz, I have one of your guys on my uh, list. Uh, Corey Kispert. He is obviously one of the best players in the entire country. First team All-American, 19 points per game. A future NBA player. One of three on the Gonzaga team. He is a very solid basketball player. At number two, I've got Sam Hauser. He can play a three or the four, really. If you let him open, if you let him shoot a couple threes, he knocks that down, you're not winning this game. We saw it against uh, Syracuse, the first matchup. He was seven for seven from deep, 21 points. Kid's an absolute stud from behind the arc. And then number three, I got Herbert Jones, the SEC player of the year from Alabama. Doesn't put up those eye-popping numbers, but he does everything on the offensive side, defensive side. He averages three steals and blocks per game, which is, you like you like that idea, big man. So those are my top three power fours. Now, real quick, guys, we don't want any explanations here. Give me your final four. Give me your championship game. Give me your champion. Jack Tobin, we're starting with you. Final four. Texas, Gonzaga, Illinois, Ohio State, 
and we have Io Desunmu knocking off Corey Kispert and company in the national championship. We're rolling with the fighting Illini. Biz, let's hear it. Very similar, except other than Ohio State, I have Baylor and I have Gonzaga losing. The pressure's on the line. They're not going to go undefeated this year. They're going to lose to Illinois in the championship. Ben. Yeah, similar to that. I got Gonzaga, Baylor, Texas, and Illinois. I think it is finally time for Mark Few to win his first national championship as one of the best coaches in the country. I think Gonzaga gets it done and wins it all. Spencer. All right, guys. I got the Zags beating BYU. Meeting and beating in the final four. On the other side, I got Baylor meeting and beating the Illinois uh, fighting Illini. And then in the championship game, I have Baylor beating Gonzaga. You like to hear that. I've got... Baylor and Illinois meeting on one side of the final four. We've got Iowa and Alabama meeting on the other side and Baylor beats Iowa in the national championship. They finally get that ring that they have been desperately wanting. Hope everyone enjoyed this March madness preview on the Nick's Elias show. Again, for my lovely analyst, my lovely co-host, my wonderful starting five, Ben Paglia, Alex Bisgani, Spencer Pierce, and Jack Tobin. I'm Nick's Elias. Thank you everyone for watching. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. We'll see you next time.